This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. But it kind of depresses me to think that, you know, that the measure of success is how good a hunter we are. You know, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, well, almost. <clears throat> So that's what I'd like to be. But still, you know, it's an important issue, so, uh, so let's, let's talk about this. Um, so I want to talk uh, about the, the origins of what, I, what I'll call the human predatory pattern. And the reason I'm calling it that is because that's what Jessica Thompson and colleagues are calling it in, um, in a paper in Press and Current Anthropology, to emphasizing the fact that hominins are killing animals larger than themselves. Chimps can kill animals the same size as themselves, namely other adult chimpanzees, but uh, they don't eat them. Um, And humans, of course, are different in this respect. So uh, the standard kind of model, uh, which is in some ways uh, the justification for the material we've been hearing about chimpanzees, is that you you have a lot last common ancestor that was uh, hunting in the chimp style, and uh, then out of that comes the human predatory pattern. And then a slight sort of uh, modification of that comes from uh, people like uh, the Jessica Thompson team uh, and I think Brianna, um, where you can have that chimp style hunting, and then uh, in the Australopithecine era, they may or may not have been hunting very much, difficult for them to uh, catch red colobus. Not too many around on the savannah, um, and uh, but still interested in, in meat and animal products. And then out of that, you get um, maybe uh, an interest in fat processing from the marrow and, and uh, other organs. And, and out of that, coming the, the scavenging and hunting. But here's my point: all of this assumes that the stuff is eaten raw. Well, that conforms to uh, conventional wisdom. So conventional wisdom sees uh, Australopithecines giving rise to Homo erectus and Homo heidelbergensis, and finally the finest kind of human you can have, uh, represented here by the president of Harvard, uh, <laughs> e- emerging uh, out of the president of Yale. And the point, of course, is that uh, the, the standard story is that, that this was, was raw meat that was responsible for this, this big transformation, nothing much happening after you get Homo erectus, um, and that fire comes in sometime quite a lot later. And maybe that's true. Um, I, I, I doubt it myself. I, I think that fire came in earlier. But um, uh, what is certainly true is that raw meat is a difficult food for people nowadays. Uh, it's, it's rare to find hunters and gatherers eating raw meat at all, as you see from a survey around the world. Uh, and in Africa, there is no record of people uh, eating raw meat. Um, and... Um, uh, to the extent that we have data on what happens when people do eat raw meat, which we have to go to urban raw foodists, people who are able to survive on supermarkets and so on, uh, what you find following the red line here uh, is that, um, that raw food is, uh, is a great way of losing weight. Uh, it, it shows that uh, you, you lose body mass index uh, uh, quite uh, predictably by eating a lot of your diet raw, and this includes both uh, vegans and people who are eating their their meat raw. And then the blue line shows you that raw food is quite a good contraceptive, too, because um, (laughs) by the time you're eating 50% of your 
your food raw, if you are a woman, uh, then uh, you've got a 50, uh, sorry, 100% of your food raw, a 50% chance of, um, uh, of having your reproductive system totally shut down. And that is, that is despite the fact that they're eating just about as high quality uh, of uh, raw diet as you can imagine and having no seasonal stresses and so on. Okay, so um, it's quite clear that cooking does something. Uh, it increases the energy value we know for starch and protein and plant lipids. Now, here is the fact that you should remember among, but beyond anything else that I'm going to say today. Nobody knows what the consequence is of cooking animal fats. We do know about cooking plant lipids, that it increases the digestibility of the plant lipids. You get more energy value out of it. But no one has done it with animal fats, which is crazy. And I'm, if you think about the fact of uh, uh, how, how much more delicious uh, a lump of suet is uh, when it's been cooked, uh, then it seems very likely that your food perception system is tied to uh, the consequences uh, biologically in, in your body. But the fact is that we're not sure. So it seems very likely that uh, raw meat has got um, low value uh, compared to both cooked meat. I mean, that's what we do know. Uh, and the uh, point I want to say here is marrow. So what I, what I want, really want to emphasize here is that um, the consequences of cooking meat are very substantially uh, beneficial. The consequences of cooking marrow with its, uh, raw, its, its fat content uh, may be a bit less uh, so we'll think about this in terms of safety and palatability and time to ingest. Um, I'm, I'm not going to talk about digestibility and the cost of digestion because we don't know anything in terms of the marrow. So that's, that's completely crazy. You know, one of the most important foods probably in human evolution, um, uh, fat from animals, uh, and cooking, the signature feature of the human diet, and yet we don't know um, what the consequences is of cooking fat for the energy gain. All right, so um, we know cooking is biologically important. We know it raises the food value. It probably does it differently for different foods. I want to propose uh, something that will um, annoy several of my colleagues, um, which is that uh, before cooking, um, hominid meat-eating was less important, and hominid fat-eating was, was more important. So the first thing I want to say uh, is about uh, the dangers of eating um, from uh, a dead zebra that you happen to find there. It's disgusting. Um, so I, the, the, uh, Sonia Rajir uh, pointed out some time ago that, um, that, that meat uh, is dangerous uh, when you find it because of bacterial growth. Um, and uh, Alex Smith um, in my lab uh, did some nice experiments uh, showing that if you compare the rate of bacterial growth on raw meat uh, compared to, uh, to marrow, then it, it grows much faster on raw meat. And um, uh, whereas if you cook it, then uh, there's, it's, it's safe very quickly. And internal marrow is really safe. So um, meat, you can sometimes get away with uh, cutting the outside bits in or off and uh, uh, and taking uh, what's inside, but even then, uh, it decays pretty quickly, and uh, it is going to remain uh, rather dangerous, which I think is why chimpanzees, by the way, uh, don't scavenge much. Uh, if there was an implication earlier that they sort of don't recognize dead meat as food, I think they, they do. It's just that they're pretty cautious about it, and occasionally they do, they do scavenge. Okay, so now here's a major point I want to make, that uh, hominins without fire um, couldn't hunt much, because uh, there's just not much time for hunting. Uh, so here is uh, data on the amount of time that chimpanzees spend feeding, uh, which is incredibly frustrating to teams from National Geographic that come and want to see chimps doing fancy things, because, you know, in fact, all they do is just sit there eating most of the time. 
Um, and uh, there's variation among the sites, uh, and um, the ones at the bottom, Bosu, uh, they're eating quite a lot of human foods uh, dug up from fields, that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, we got uh, close on 50% of their day is spent literally just chewing. And um, that means that they can't do uh, other things, uh, such as write poetry or go hunting. <laughs> So here what we got is a slightly strange plot of uh, the distribution of time spent feeding in uh, non-human primates. Um, and, uh, and you see there's a pretty steady rise uh, as body size increases uh, on the bottom axis. And so by the time you are a homo, you should be eating for something like chewing, for something like 50 to actually slightly higher than 50% of the day. That's what you should be doing. But you're not. In fact, what humans do is they chew for less than an hour a day. Um, it's a relatively trivial time. And, and meat eating does not help that much if you are a raw eater. Uh, so here are some estimates that it's difficult to get normally for how much total time it, it takes to, to chew a carcass because uh, it's relatively rare that you can see all the different bits of the carcass and, uh, and how much they have been eaten by chimps. But, but this suggests that um, when you take, for instance, a baboon that weighs a certain amount and you estimate 80% of it was eaten uh, and uh, you tot up all the eating that was done during that that period uh, that you could see is a total of nine chimpanzee hours, and uh, the net result is that you're eating meat at about the uh, rate that you are some of the higher quality uh, fruits in terms of, of calorie intake. There's a note here saying that uh, Ian Gilby uh, thinks that um, I'm, I'm underestimating the rate of um, eating, and I'm sure I'm underestimating it from the initial phase of eating, where they're eating the softer bits. Um, but we have yet to get very good data on this, so it may turn out that, that uh, the underestimate is important. But nevertheless, that's what we got so far. Okay, so uh, chimps don't uh, hunt for very long at a time. Uh, here you see some estimates, uh, uh, all between uh, 15 and uh, between 15 minutes and, and half an hour, that sort of thing, uh, if they get into a hunt. And after that, they, they give up. And um, this doesn't, uh, is not affected by how often uh, their overall uh, killing. Uh, there's this uh, big range that we've seen before, uh, sometimes uh, like one a month and sometimes ten a month. But uh, uh, nevertheless, uh, they're always just having this low rate of... Um, the slow duration of the hunt. And you can see why. Here is how the feeding time is distributed in a particular individual from dawn until dusk. The red is, is when he's chewing. So there's just not much time between chewing. And by the way, when they stop chewing, what are they doing? They're mostly uh, lying around uh, in order to be able to digest the food. So, so the, the typical pattern is you go up into a tree, you eat for 45 minutes, then you come and lie down and then uh, wait for the stomach to be entered and then you go up again. That's what seems to be happening. So there's variation among chimps, and here's you know, a, a bunch of different days, and you see some uh, days there is very, very little time to do anything other than eat, and, and sometimes more, and it balances out across days and so on. But you can look at this, and you can say, okay, let's look at the interfeeding interval. How much time is there between you know, what you've got to do, which is to get food into your, into your belly? And uh, the answer uh, is uh, that uh, the median of 20 minutes, the mean of 40 minutes, this is uh, old data from Gombe. Um, but uh, that compares with the mean hunt duration of uh, a quarter of an hour, half an hour. Uh, so it's, it's about, about the same. And uh, the implication here is that uh, if you are chewing a lot, there's just no time to go hunting. So sorry. Now, humans, you know, obviously, were much less constrained by eating time and... Uh, Actually, funnily enough, there is no paper that has looked at uh, when humans eat. 
But this uh, looks like a very confident uh, assertion that um, among hunter-gatherers, only one regular meal is eaten in camp, and it's at night after the people have returned from the day's hunting. That's the sort of typical uh, pattern, uh, particularly as you go uh, into the earlier ethnographies. So I... Uh, humans are able to spend long hours during the day uh, on the hunt, and um, uh, here you see a distribution across uh, different hunter-gatherer societies for uh, for men and women, and uh, the men are, are spending, on average, uh, uh, just over four hours a day, uh, which means that it is possible for them to do something that chimpanzees could not possibly do, and therefore I think that a raw meat-eating hominin could not have done either. Well, meanwhile, you know, so uh, could they go out and, uh, and, and, and track around uh, looking for um, uh, their food, uh, uh, foraging, hunting? Um, Dan Lieberman and uh, his colleague Bramble have uh, uh, drawn attention to a whole bunch of features in our skeletons which indicate that Homo is uniquely derived in an ability to have endurance walking or endurance running, tramping around across the savannah, uh, looking for opportunities to... Uh, to, to either scavenge or to kill. Well, that doesn't seem very easy if you've got a great big belly that we've just been hearing about um, with those f- uh, flared ribs, and you're keeping it full of stuff all the time. You know, so you're asking a, a gorilla full of, of vegetation, as it were, uh, to go uh, running off uh, uh, two or three hours? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think the you know, one reason is it's got a large gut, and that large gut is, is full for a tremendous amount of the time. Uh, and then uh, I actually think there's probably another reason. Um, this is a little bit speculative, admittedly, but um, I, I think that uh, the um, uh, creatures before fire would have needed to keep warm at night with hair. And as long as they had to do that, then they couldn't lose heat uh, easily during the day. So it's very difficult for me to imagine an endurance runner in particular uh, being able to do that uh, before fire. Okay, so what I'm saying so far is that uh, meat-eating would have been less extensive before the control of fire because of the lack of safety in the raw meat, and the fact of chewing for so long meant that you had uh, also uh, large guts full of food. Uh, You couldn't uh, run and and hunt, uh, and... um, I, I suspect when, when we know about it that uh, the relative value of raw meat compared to raw fat uh, is, uh, is going to be relatively low. Okay, so, so what did hominins eat before cooking? Because um, I do think that it's reasonable to imagine that there's been a phase uh, in which hominins were using animal products before cooking. And the safe bit uh, are the ones that are enclosed in um, bone, and that would be marrow or brain uh, from below the exposed surfaces uh, is, is what you want to do. And uh, uh, certainly marrow is an important food for uh, hunter-gatherers. Here is data for the Hadza uh, and how many of them are eaten raw. So by the time you're eating big animals like buffalo, uh, James Oliver finds that um, 80%, so 70-80% of the limb bones uh, are eaten raw. So that, that all seems just, just fine. But there would be a difference if you're eating them raw from eating cooked because nowadays um, there is an ability to use both the uh, marrow in the shaft of the bone and uh, the fat in the, uh, the trabecular bone or, or the cancellous uh, bone area, which you very difficult to get out with just with your teeth. You really have to boil it up to be able to release the grease. And uh, until you have cook- cooking, then you're not going to be able to use that very much. 
And then there's a difference in um, the kind of marrow that is going to be preferred. Uh, so um, Binford uh, showed very nicely that there is a good relationship between the degree of unsaturated fat in the marrow uh, and the preference. Uh, here you see uh, for the Nunaimut people that uh, he was studying, uh, that the more unsaturated marrow there is, then the more uh, the bone is preferred. Uh, so unsaturated is much nicer uh, than saturated fat when it's eaten raw, uh, and uh, that is probably because it has got a lower melting point. And with a lower melting point, it probably, I think it'll turn out, uh, will turn out to have um, a lower cost of digestion because the body is going to have to work less hard to reduce it to the tiny, tiny particles, just a few angstroms across, that have to um, be reduced before it can go uh, across uh, the intestinal wall. So uh, where are the unsaturated fats found? They are found more at the nether ends of the limbs. So if you take a, a typical ungulate foreleg, you find that the saturated fats tend to be richer close to the uh, shoulder and throughout the axial skeleton, and the unsaturated fats are uh, richer at the, um, the distal parts which nobody understands why that is. I mean, there's the sort of suggestion, well, unsaturated fats uh, having lower melting points, they may be sort of more flexible, they may uh, allow more flexibility, uh, but that's, that's you know, a bit speculative. Okay, so um, uh, preference for unsaturated fats. Um, and then there's the, um, uh, the question of brains. So the limb marrow is great for most of the year, but you see here in, uh, in a couple of uh, examples that femur marrow uh, is very poor during periods of the year when the animals are in poor condition, going right down to 20% fat. And that's a point uh, mirroring what's happening with the kidney fat uh, at which uh, you can expect that there will be rejection of the food. Uh, so here's a claims from Binford uh, saying that, that uh, if the caribou is in too poor condition, you, you break open the bone and it's soft and runny, then no, goodbye. During those periods, brains should be okay. Now, um, here is Kim Hill saying that uh, uh, he, he loved... Um, well, he's saying that the Ache and the Hiwi, uh, hunter-gatherers in Paraguay and Venezuela, uh, love brains, and he says uh, grossly that he loved it himself. Um, I, I asked him if he had it raw. He said no, um, but, uh, but you could, uh, as long as it's reasonably fresh. You know, there is decay that goes on there. Uh, of course, the problem with brains is that they're hard to extract, and if you're a hominin, uh, they're embedded very often with things with horns, and, uh, and the skull is really heavy, so it's not that great. But it is good because uh, the uh, quality of the fat always stays high. It's the last thing that you will lose fat from. Um, and, and then goodbye. <laughs> so my conclusion is that if the early homo diets uh, were raw... Uh, then you've got to put up with the notion that there was extensive chewing, minimal time for hunting, and I think no endurance running. And they would be eating, um, particularly uh, from the fat-rich areas, uh, and there'd be more marrow than in cooked diets. There'd be more marrow, especially from the distal bones, and uh, especially from the brain. So overall, more scavenging, more fat, and less meat. 
Overall, uh, the, the kind of concept that uh, I was uh, referring to uh, earlier of chimpanzee-style hunting giving rise to an interest in animal products and then percussive fat processing, breaking open those limb bones, and, uh, and, and then finally getting the human uh, predatory pattern, uh, I, I, you know, that seems to me a, a great way to think about things. And then we should think about the uh, first three stages as uh, involving uh, raw meat, but I don't think you can go very far into the fourth without making it cooked. So I have a different concept uh, of uh, the Harvard and the Yale presidents. Thank you. <clears throat> You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.